What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. This is the Gold Diggers podcast. I am Rob Stats Guerrero. She is Michelle Majuk from the NFL Network. What is up, Michelle? Hola. We are officially like, I feel like in the middle of the NFL season. I know we're only five weeks in, but I feel like we have so many questions answered and we kind of know what teams are going to look like moving forward. Uh, we're, you know, it's getting really interesting, but we have a lot to talk to, a lot to talk to you about, about the 49ers and what they look like. And I feel like they're so close, but so far, oh, so, God. so much to get to today. Yes. We have a ton to get to before we do want to remind everybody, please rate review and follow the Niners nation podcast network. We always say, if you leave a review on the show or about the show, we will read it on the show. So in that spirit. I offer the following review. This from ST Visioner, who says, only two out of five stars, so thanks for that, jerk. Uh, it's almost embarrassing, they write, to hear Rob constantly blathering on and on about how this team should be coached and how to play this game. Now the other guys on the show are following suit. Yeah, I get it. The Niners should be having a better year, but your commentary in this podcast shows that you are just bitter that the professionals who run this valuable organization don't do things that you have ignorantly propagated on this show. Now I start the podcast, but it's almost always a skip to another podcast. As soon as I hear the same tiresome commentary, Rob, why don't you start a Rams podcast and take your downer attitude with you? Here's the thing, ST Visioner. The team is two and three right now. Please tell me what there is to be so positive about. What is it that I should be waving the pom-poms for? I really want to know. Should it be the quarterback situation, which has devolved into an absolute mess? Should it be the fact that the team is not even playing their second and third round draft picks six weeks into the season? Should it be the fact that they're icing out their best wide receiver from the offense completely? What is the thing that I should be so positive about? I would love to hear it. Michelle, do you have any idea what I should be cheering for? What about those zero points through like almost three quarters? <laughs> right. Like what? <laughs> this is what I don't get. These bootlickers, that little line in there about this valuable franchise. What are you talking about? It's not your franchise. It's not valuable to you. Like, is this Jed York leaving a review on the show? Like, I don't understand it. Yes. When the Niners are good, I say they're good. I've praised Nick Bosa many times. I've praised Trent Williams. I've praised tons of people on the team. But when they're bad, I say they're bad. I'm sorry if you don't like that, people. There is something positive, right? Trey Lance looked much better in his first start. He actually looked calm, in control. He was moving the ball, mostly with his legs, but his accuracy looked better on his passing attempts. Some some pretty bad passes, like that interception. You know, he has to stop throwing the ball so far ahead of players and over their head. But <laughs> I thought overall his accuracy looked much better. I was far more impressed with him this week than I was last week, and it's great to see him take that step forward. Yes, uh, I thought there were a lot of good things with Lance. Uh, we're going to get into that, and we're going to get into sort of your NFC West watching guide because the Niners are off this week, but we're going to look at some other things involving the division and some best bets. Um, but let's get into the Lance thing. Eight of nine of his drives went into Arizona territory. That's awesome. I thought the other thing that was really good, Michelle, was the fact that he didn't really have a lot of three and outs. So even though they weren't scoring, they were possessing the ball long enough to at least change field position number one and give the defense a rest 
which I think you saw the impact of that because the Cardinals struggled to move the ball and score points all day long. Kyler Murray had seven carries for one yard. That's the best the Niners defense has ever done against the mobile quarterback. And I think that's partly because they weren't on the field for, you know, 70, 80, 90 plays. Yeah, I mean, the game plan was kind of what we said they needed to do to win this game. Keep Kyler Murray off the field, play great defense. They did run the ball often, which they did. Like all of it was what they needed to do. It's just it didn't really show up on the field on the offensive side of the ball. Now, it did feel like they had the ball a lot, which they did kill the time of possession over the Cardinals. But they only had 19 first downs. I was surprised by that, which was the fewest in a game this season. They were at 23, 23, 25 the last three games. So I was surprised they only hit 19. They need to come up with points before one minute to go in the third quarter. Like you're not going to win games that way. They should have won this game. The Cardinals did not look good whatsoever. I mean, and I'm not putting that, I'm not saying that's a a diss for the 49ers. Like their defense made the Cardinals not look good whatsoever. Uh, But you got to get into the end zone. Lance did look better, but he needs to make a couple more plays with his arm. Uh, Looked great as a runner, but yeah, this is a game they could have won and just fell short. The reason they didn't have that many first downs is because they had six, Michelle, six holding penalties in the game. And they had 15 plays that were not on fourth down where they had 10 or more yards to go. You're not going to get first downs when it's, you got to get, 11, 12, 13 yards. Hell, at one point they had a second and 25 and they actually got that one because Brandon Ayuk made a hell of a catch and run, but that's, they were sort of up against it, shooting themselves in the foot all day. But to me, the fact that they were able to move the ball as well as they did in spite of those things shows that Garoppolo should not be the starter going forward because I don't think he would be able to overcome those things like Trey Lance did for so much of the day. On one drive, Michelle, they had three holding penalties. On one drive, that's an extra 30 yards that they had to overcome, and they still almost got a field goal out of it. What I want to say about the holding penalties is, do you think a lot of that has to do with Trey Lance and his playing style? They're not used to a quarterback holding onto the ball as long as Lance does, running out of the pocket, and it, it does put offensive linemen in bad situations, and it's something they're going to have to learn to deal with with Lance and learn, like, oh, this dude can escape on his own. I don't have to hold, you know. But it is going to put a lot more pressure on them to – it's hard to keep defense alignment away from the quarterback for three, four seconds when they're used to Jimmy Garoppolo getting it out faster. Absolutely. I think there is definitely, there's an adjustment. The whole offense needs to make the receivers need to learn how to, you know, do the scramble drill better. And they have to kind of get a feel for one another. Okay. When he rolls out to the right, which way the receiver is going to go like there, there's things like that, that has to be learned, which is why I wanted them to start Trey Lance from the beginning of the year. So that all this stuff like by, because by now they would have a feel for those kind of things. That adjustment would already have been made, but, They didn't, obviously, and we're here now, but that's why I think they need to continue to start Lance going forward because you can take these two weeks that they have from the bye week and begin that adjustment and and have people start to get comfortable with one another. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case. From everything I'm hearing and reading, it seems like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starting quarterback when they come back from the bye week against the Colts, and we're going to you know, just be right back being in this, this circle of misery. Yeah, I mean, that seems really silly to me. You you finally got Trey Lance more comfortable. He looks good. He looks like he improved greatly from just one week. What could he improve on with the bye week and then an additional week to prep? 
and you know, getting more gameplay under his belt. That seems super silly to me to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo or to move on from Trey Lance and go back to Jimmy Garoppolo, especially since, you know, you are two and three. You don't have the best chance to win this division this year. Now, you definitely are still in the thick of it for a wild card spot because there's a lot of bad NFC teams. There's a lot of like there's that top group that's really, really good. But then a lot of just like stinky teams, even the ones that are three and two, you're like, yeah, but they're not that good. So you're still definitely have a shot for this uh, wild card. But after the bye, you get the Colts and the Bears. These are two must win games. And. I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be able to get it done. I think with Trey Lance running the way he is, like you have a better shot at winning those games. But they are must-win games because then you get the Cardinals and the Rams after that. That's going to be really hard to beat them. So you have to win those next two games if you want to even think about the playoffs. I agree, but I think that Kyle thinks that his best chance to win is with Jimmy Garoppolo as opposed to Trey Lance. And that's why he continues to go back to him and show faith in him because he thinks that that gives the team the best chance to win. And they, like you said, they are still in the thick of it for a playoff spot. I'm not sure that that's true though, Michelle, like you said, with Lance running the ball, like I know he missed some reads on last Sunday. He absolutely did. But some of those missed reads turned into scrambles by Lance that ended up going for first downs. Whereas if Jimmy Garoppolo misses a read, that play is dead in the water. So I'm not sure that Jimmy Garoppolo gives you the best chance to win. I don't think that he does, especially because you would hope that Trey Lance is ascending. Like you said, that he's getting better the more he plays. So like, let's say just for the sake of argument, he gives you like a 50% chance to win in his first start. Well, you assume if he's going to get better for start number two, maybe that's a 55% chance to win in the second start. And then a 60%, you know, like you would think that his odds of winning would get better and better as he gets more comfortable in the league. So I, I think that the assumption that Jimmy Garoppolo automatically gives you a better chance to win just because he has more experience is not necessarily true. Now, if he does have that knee injury and he can't rush as well with it, right? I know you think it's, maybe false to get Jimmy I think Garoppolo. it's completely overblown totally bogus perfect get out of jail free card but for I don't think Trey Lance would go along with that I think that's a terrible way to build a relationship if that's correct um and they're saying Trey Lance has a bigger injury than he does like that would it, no way Trey Lance goes along with that and gets benched because they're lying you know so if he does have any injury and that limits him as a runner, then you can't start him because he's not a good enough passer right now. The best part of him is his legs. And if he can escape and get those yards, then you, you definitely can't play him. So I understand in that sense. And Jimmy Garoppolo is just a winner. It's so weird, but he does. Stop it. No, he's not just a winner. He's but not. I want to bring up if he doesn't have George Kittle, which he's on IR, so he won't have him at least for the game after the bye. Does he also have to miss the next game or does the bye week count? The bye week does not count. You have to miss okay. at least three games. Um, so he's going to miss these next two games that are insanely important to win. And they refuse to use Brandon Ayuk. So if teams just stop Debo, <laughs> I don't know what Jimmy Garoppolo is going to do because, you know, Brandon Ayuk but is just a ghost out there to them. Can I just point out, because you said this, Jimmy Garoppolo is just a winner. Do you know what Jimmy Garoppolo is in his last 10 starts? He's five and five. So he's not just a winner. Like he's, he's a 500 quarterback in his last 10 stops. So I, I think that that excuse is bupkis. I think that Trey Lance's knee injury, maybe his knee hurt a little bit. 
But I think that Kyle Shanahan was like, oh, awesome. His knee is not totally, completely 100%. Great. Now I can go back to Jimmy Garoppolo and nobody can criticize me because he knew, Michelle, that he was going to get hammered if he went back to Jimmy Garoppolo. Matt Mayoko, after the game, the godfather of 49ers beat writers, said Kyle Shanahan's under a lot of scrutiny. He's going to catch a lot of flack if he goes back to Jimmy Garoppolo. Then all of a sudden we hear about this knee injury that Trey Lance didn't know when it occurred. No one knows when it occurred. And he didn't even feel until after the game when he was in bed on Sunday night. Then why, why would Trey Lance go along with that, though? Why? Because he's a rookie. Like That's I said. That's so bad, though. That's maybe so his bad. Knee, maybe his knee hurts a little. Like, you know, maybe it's not 100%. But this, it's also really convenient that the time frame for this injury is one to two weeks when they're going into their bye week. Like, it's so... It just seems so sketchy to me, right? Because I feel like it sets it up perfectly for for Shanahan to go back to Jimmy. But then if Jimmy struggles, well, they could still put Trey in because the timeline was one to two weeks. So he's healthy enough to be active, but he's not going to start. Like the whole thing stinks to me. It does. It does. Now, what is awesome is the 49ers defense. I mean, they're just killing it. And the the way they sacked Kyler Murray for two, what, like 20-yard losses, that was insane who does that against Kyler Murray nobody the defense looks fantastic there just needs to be consistent quarterback play and this team would be so good yes welcome to my life for the past like four years it's <laughs> it's been like that that's been the frustrating part of this whole thing but you're right Nick Bosa is an absolute monster there was a play right before he halftime is. where he just single-handedly took the Cardinals out of field goal range with a huge sack of Kyler Murray you, if you were just beamed down from outer space and you saw Nick Bosa play, you would have no idea that he is coming off major reconstructive knee surgery. He's a mutant out there. He's unbelievable. He really, really is. And that's exactly what we said before the like in the offseason. He needs to be absolutely a star in the NFL. And I think he's becoming that. Like He's becoming one of the best defenders. Love to see him play. And he, he's doing everything that he needs to do out there. Defense, they got it down. They're a winning squad. The offensive side of the ball just needs to catch up to them. Story of my life for the past four years. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll dive into your NFC West watching guide. Some of the best bets for this 49ers bye week. Still plenty to like, especially from a fantasy and gambling perspective. Plus, I don't want to, you know, pat ourselves on the back too much, Michelle. But we give you prop bets every week. We did pretty damn good on the prop bets last week. So we have more of those for you when we come back. Back here on the Gold Diggers podcast. All right, Michelle, Niners are off, but that doesn't mean there's not plenty of things to pay attention to around the league in this week six. Let's start with some of the games in the NFC West. Uh, first of all, Rams playing the Giants. The Rams are favored by 10 points. I think that somebody's going to have to come down from outer space and like abduct Matthew Stafford for the Giants to have any shot to win this game. Yeah, but I think 10 points is a lot. Like, Daniel Jones looks like he's going to play. He's going to pass concussion protocol. So I do think 10 points is quite a lot. Now, the Giants have lost by 10 points plenty of times this season, and the Rams have only won by three and nine points in their two away games. So it could it could be a blowout. It could be closer. I kind of am staying away from that line, but there's a lot of players I like in this game, like Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. They should both have a fantastic game. The Giants are allowing the highest completion percentage this season at nearly 76% they're allowing. <laughs> yeah, so 
I, I think Matthew Safford and Cooper Cup are going to kill it. Cooper Cup's line is 82 and a half receiving yards. He has hit 92 plus receiving yards in four of his five games. Even last week when it was a Robert Woods game, he still hit over 82 and a half yards. So I, I really like that line for him. And then they have Robert Woods at 61 and a half yards. Sean McVay held his word. He said, you know what? We're going to get you more involved, Woods. We understand you're frustrated. And then he got like nearly 15 targets last week. Like it was the Robert Woods show. So I like taking that over for both of these guys for Cup and Woods. Then I do just think this is going to be a great game for the Rams offense. Daryl Henderson is a must start in fantasy. He's been killing it. And I love his line of over 15 and a half receiving yards. He's done it in all four games he's played this season. So I love the lines for the Rams offense. The reason why I think the Giants can stay in it is they have a pretty decent offense as well. Like Daniel Jones has been impressive. Kadarius Tony has been impressive and they get back Sterling Shepard. I think Devontae Booker is plenty good enough to fill in for Saquon Barkley for a few games. I think the Giants could be a, a sneaky offense this week against a Rams defense that's not even close to as good as they were last year. Yeah, Rams defense is average at best. But I want to go back to something you said earlier. You're telling me that Robert Woods was upset that he wasn't getting targets. And then Sean McVay said, you're right, and got him a bunch of targets? Like, Yep. Hmm. And he didn't hold a grudge against him. He wasn't upset. He wasn't like, you know what? You're not doing good enough. Sucker, <laughs> we're going to put in Muhammad Sanu. <laughs> <laughs> right. Get, you haven't made strut. Like, oh. Yeah, no, Robert Woods was like, I feel like I'm not being valued in this offense. You know, I've been a very good asset to your team. And then he got 12 receptions for 150 yards because Sean McVay came out and said, he told everyone, he was just like, yeah, we're going to get Robert Woods more involved in this game. He didn't even try to hide it. And he got him more involved and it was fantastic. It's almost like you could scheme targets for a guy. I, you know, I, that's amazing, huh? Well, imagine that. And that's why you see the Rams win 10 freaking games every year. And the 49ers lose 10 games every year, basically. All right. So I want to talk about my boy, Kadarius Tony, though, real quick. Yeah. Oh, I saw your tweet. Uh, oh, my goodness. The hate this guy got before the season, before the draft. And I'm just so happy he balled out. He is a special talent. And he's not like a, a typical alpha wide receiver. So and like people are like, how couldn't they draft him in the first round? But he just does such special things with the ball in his hands after the catch that most wide receivers cannot do he his movement skills are just the most smooth i'm like how are you even like you look like you're on an escalator or something he looks so good uh i'm just very very happy for Kadarius tony 13 receptions last week for 189 yards sorry that was 10 receptions 189 yards now sterling shepherd is coming back and they do kind of play that same role but with Kenny Galladay out, let's hope the Giants can be smart enough to utilize uh, Kadarius Tony in this offense still because he gives them their best shot to win. He's their best playmaker, even when Saquon Barkley's on the field. I said it. Wow. He's also their best puncher, apparently. <laughs> I did, did not see him punt. Oh, he yeah. He got tossed for throwing a punch. Oh, punch. I thought you said punted. I was like, did he punt the ball? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. He does have some character concerns that were, you know, there before the draft, but we're just going to ignore those for now. Uh -huh. Well, from a fantasy perspective, as long as he's on the field, it doesn't bother you. So we feel pretty comfortable, unfortunately, that the Rams are going to beat the Giants. This next game, Michelle, I'm just 
fascinated to watch because I think it's just going to be a really fun game, but it'd also be nice for the 49ers if the Cardinals lose. They're going to Cleveland to take on the Browns. They're getting points in this game, which is unbelievable to me because they're the only undefeated team in the league, yet Vegas says they're not going to beat the Browns. Where are you going on this one? This is such an interesting matchup because, you know, both teams are really, really good. And the Cardinals are so bad about against guarding the <laughs> the run. They're allowing 5.4 yards per carry, which is the second most in the NFL. And then we already know the Browns are amazing at running the ball. They're averaging the most yards per carry, the most rushing yards per game in the NFL. They have two fantastic running backs. So I do think they have the formula for success here to beat the Cardinals. But then at the same time, the Browns secondary is so bad. And Kyler Murray should just be able to pick them apart with all of his weapons. So this should be a very high scoring game. Like it could be similar to last week when it's just back and forth, back and forth with the Chargers and the Browns. The Chargers are actually the worst rush defense. Just they're the only team that's worse than the Cardinals. So I think it's going to be that similar situation where Chubb and Hunt are just killing it on the ground. They're scoring, scoring, scoring. But then on the opposite side, there's such a great quarterback, such a great offense that they're be able to keep up with them. I don't know who wins this game. I think it's going to be super close. The Browns have won both of their home games by 10 plus points. They beat the Texans by 10 points and the Bears by 20. No, the Cardinals are much better than the Texans or Bears. I'm going to give the slight edge to the Browns because they're home, but I don't feel fantastic about it. If you had a bet one way or the other, which way are you going? I don't know because the Cardinals are a little banged up. You know, Kyler Murray has mispracticed or limited, I should say, with a right shoulder injury, which they were kind of working on his arm during the 49ers game. So he got a little banged up. DeAndre Hopkins status was unchanged from Wednesday, which means he sat out practice a second straight day because of illness. They've had some COVID issues there. Chandler Jones, I don't think is going to be able to play in this game because of COVID. And he was symptomatic too, which obviously best wishes to him get well soon. But, you know, I don't know that the Cardinals are going to necessarily be full strength in this thing. I hate giving points in a game that I think is going to be close, but I think I got to go with Cleveland on this one. I just don't know how Arizona is going to slow down that ground game because I think that that Cleveland can just grind it out, work their way down the field, limit the possessions. And I, I'm i a Baker fan. I know like some people don't like him because he does commercials, I guess. I don't really understand the Baker Mayfield hate. I'm a fan. I kind of root for him. I know his shoulder's a little banged up too, but it's his non-throwing shoulder, so that helps. But I think I'll go Cleveland over Arizona, although I think it's going to be close and it's going to be fun. So much of it comes down to are Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt healthy or not because they did miss practice on Wednesday and Thursday. We'll have to see if they you know, practice on Friday. I definitely just figured it was a maintenance day on Wednesday because these two are carrying the team. Like I like Baker Mayfield a lot as well. Name my dog after him. Like I, I, I love him, but he's not really that guy who's going to typically carry a team to wins. It's these running backs, especially this season. So they need them out there, right? If they're both missing this game, then I, I'll easily take Cardinals plus three. But I think they'll both play, and I'm slamming the over, whatever their rushing yards is, whatever Cream Hunt's rushing plus receiving yards, taking the over, and play him in fantasy. I'm still getting questions like, Cream Hunt or this guy? It's like, Cream Hunt is a better <laughs> fantasy player than Nick Chubb this year. He's the RB6 on the season. He scored 17-plus fantasy points in four of his five games. He's averaging nearly 15 touches per game after week one. 
He is so involved in this offense and he is just killing it. So smashing the over on those guys and love them for fantasy. And then on the opposite side of the ball, though, James Conner versus that Cleveland's defense, they're bad against the pass, but they're pretty good against the run. James Conner's just not, not doing it for me. He's been okay for fantasy because he keeps getting into the end zone. But my favorite bet uh, that, I, that I saw this week is actually they have James Conner with the longest rush of the week at 10.5 yards. I'm going to take that under for sure because the Browns are allowing just 3.2 yards per carry to the running backs this season. Their longest rush they allowed was just 16 yards, and Conner is averaging just 3.2 yards per attempt this season, which is the second fewest among running backs with 50 plus carries this year. He hasn't had his longest rush of the season is 11. He's done it once. So he's hit that 10.5 yards one time. I'm taking the under there. I I don't, I think he's going to get maybe three yards a carry again. It is amazing. Like James Conner, there was a time when like he was the Steelers running back of the future and they were going to, you know, build the offense around him and Ben and like, it just like stopped. And now he's like an afterthought in Arizona. Yeah. I mean, I feel bad. James Conner has so many injuries now. Just like his body is kind of done. I rooted for James Conner so hard. I thought he was going to be so great for the Steelers after that, after that 2018 season, it just didn't work out. And he, he doesn't look too good with the Cardinals this year. Now Kenyon Drake looked pretty bad for the Cardinals last year too. So maybe it's just the system. It doesn't allow much space for them to work uh, and he's scoring touchdowns, but yeah, I, I'm definitely fading him in this game. And then one player I really like is a sneaky play in either DFS or if you want to bet on his over, they don't have a line yet for him is Rondell Moore for the Cardinals. Like I said, the Brown secondary is bad. They're allowing 12.7 yards per pass attempt this year. Like, real bad and Rondell Moore can get those deep plays he can break off you know even the short the short passes he can break some tackles so Rondell Moore's kind of up and down this year he's a rookie so he's having great games some d- games he disappears but I like him to have a big game in this matchup and if there's like a receiving long like I said they don't have the the lineup yet but if there's a receiving long for Rondell Moore and it's like 20 yards I love smashing that over for him that guy is fast as hell. I got to see it in the 49ers game. They just get it to him on a little screen. And if you don't get him right away, like he can take off and he can take it to the house for sure. And it, from the Niners perspective, you really are going to be rooting hard for Cleveland to get the win. That would put Arizona yep. at five and one. Uh, potentially, we think the Rams are going to win. So they would be at five and one. But you want the division in the NFC as a whole to come back to you if you're the 49ers. You're rooting for chaos. So anyone that has a a better record you're rooting for them to lose as we're going to get into here next up seattle and pittsburgh no russell wilson in this game this is the weird thing we all know russell wilson is going to be out at least four five maybe six weeks yet he was listed as a limited participant in practice because he's still (laughs) like through passes with his left hand like seattle does some stupid things sometimes that's just annoying but Seahawks are getting five and a half points against your Steelers, Michelle. How good are you feeling about this game, knowing that number three is not going to be back there for Seattle? Listen, I can never feel good about the Steelers, like pulling up a big (laughs) win. Luckily, it's a home game. It's a night game. The crowd should get really involved. But these are the type of quarterbacks that come out and just like 
do whatever they want against the Steelers. I swear when backups are in, they do better against the Steelers than not because when the Steelers think they have an opponent that they can beat, they play down to them. They do it all of the time. Ben DiNucci last year against <laughs> with the Cowboys almost beat the Steelers, and he looked good out there. The only half he's ever looked good in his career. So I can see Geno Smith just coming out here and, like, blowing us up. I, I think no matter what, like, I don't think the Steelers would lose by a lot anyways. They could lose by, like, a field goal. I don't think it would be a blowout. But – I think I have to take the Steelers to cover here at five and a half. They have their two wins this season have been by seven and eight points. The Seahawks lost by nine plus points and two of their three losses. This should be an easy win for the Steelers at home with all of their offensive pieces. Like they have so many offensive pieces except for Juju. put it together, except for Juju. But the Seahawks defense is so incredibly bad. They're allowing the third most passing yards this season, second most rush yards. They're bad everywhere. If Najee Harris can't go out there and just run the ball down their throats, if Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson can't have multiple big plays in this game, if Ben can't get it going against this defense, then they are just not going to do it this season. And if you're a Niner fan, you really need Seattle to just go in the absolute tank, right? Like you're, you, it's hard enough. It's going to be hard enough to win the division as it is now because the Rams and the Cardinals are so far ahead of you. But you can't have Seattle winning games when Russell Wilson is out of there. You need them to lose every single game Russell Wilson misses. They should lose this game. If the Steelers can't beat the Seahawks with no Russell Wilson, like your season is, is all but over. You're already oh, in last yeah. in the division going into this week. They have to find a way to get it done. And if you're the Niners, like at least this week, hopefully you can take joy in watching the Seattle Seahawks struggle. Although I have to say, Gino did not look terrible when he came in last week. He, he looked okay. He didn't look amazing. But for a guy that has, hasn't thrown a pass in like three years of the league, I thought he was, he was competent. He looked really, really good. I thought he was putting the ball where he needed to. That last interception by him was not his fault whatsoever. Lockett just kind of tripped tripped up, fell into the ground. Like he was anticipating him to be in a spot, which quarterbacks are supposed to do. You're not supposed to wait for that wide receiver to get to a spot. So he he threw the ball. And then after it already released from his hands, that's when Tyler Lockett tripped. Like you can't foresee that happening. So I, I don't put that blame on Gino. He could have came back and won that game uh, easily. DK Metcalf, I'm, I'm liking in this game. Like I said, the Steelers defense is not, well, I, I guess I didn't say that yet, but the Steelers defense is not good. Uh, they're not what they have been the last two years. They're giving a big chunk plays. DK Metcalf, I don't know if we have a corner that can cover DK Metcalf. I don't know who in the world's going to cover him. Most Joe Hayden don't. will get <laughs> smoked by him. Yeah. But Gino's guy last week when he came in was DK Metcalf. DK had just 44 receiving yards and two receptions with Russell Wilson through the first three quarters, then Geno Smith comes in and DK then in the fourth quarter puts up three receptions, 50 yards and a touchdown. He was that dude for Geno Smith. That's who he was looking for. So I like taking DK over 61 and a half receiving yards this week. He's done it in each of the last three games. I'm not scared to still take that with Geno Smith playing. I think this is his guy and he's going to look for him more than Tyler Lockett in this game. That was exactly what I was going to ask you. Like, do you just fade those guys the rest of the way? But you're saying no, absolutely not. I mean, Seattle is going to have to throw the ball, you would think, because their defense is going to allow the other team to score. So Gino better be chucking it to DK and Tyler Lockett because that's the only way they have a chance to win. 
I'm a little bit worried about Tyler Lockett because the passes he was throwing to DK weren't like deep passes. He was kind of utilizing him more as just his like main target. And it was like intermediate routes, but Tyler Lockett depends so much on that deep ball. And I don't know if uh, Gino and him are going to be able to hook up the same way Russell Wilson and him did. Now Lockett had four targets with Gino Smith, but only one reception for seven yards. And Lockett's totally that guy who's like, he's boom or bust. His over and under this year or this game is 57 and a half receiving yards. He's actually not hit that in any of the last three weeks. So I don't know plugging in Gino Smith over Russell Wilson. He ends up getting that. I'm fading Lockett here. I don't necessarily want to take the under. I just don't want to touch it but I'm happy to take the over on DK. In terms of other games in the NFC that you should be watching if you're a 49ers fan, the Bears and the Packers are going to play. And my theory on this is I'm just giving the Packers the NFC North. Let's just, they're 4-1 right now. They've lead the division. Let's just give them the NFC North and then have them beat any other NFC team they play, especially because they've already beaten the Niners this year. So you want the Packers to beat the three and two Bears because the Bears would potentially be competing for a playoff spot with the 49ers. But I think that Justin Fields gives them a puncher chance in Green Bay or against Green Bay because mobile quarterbacks do stuff outside of structure outside of things that you can necessarily plan for as a defense. And so it might not look pretty necessarily, but if the bears defense can slow down Aaron Rodgers even a little bit, they got a shot in this one. Although I think ultimately green Bay will get the win. Yeah. I think green Bay wins this game pretty handedly. Justin Fields is struggling just like the rest of the rookie quarterbacks. He he's, he's struggling out there. Now, when I'm talking about Trey Lance looking inaccurate with his passes and struggling, Justin Fields is doing the same exact thing. Zach Wilson's doing the same exact thing. Like these rookie quarterbacks are struggling. It's not like last season when we saw Herbert fall out, Joe Burrow ball out. And now looking back at it, Tua Tungabailoa's rookie season was actually pretty solid. This <laughs> poor dude had to compete with two amazing quarterbacks. And unfortunately, Justin Herbert was taken one pick after him and looked so much better. So that's just unfortunate for him to be put, you know, pitted against each other in the media. But I, I, yeah, I think Justin Fields is not going to be able to win this game against the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is just going to out compete with him like it's gonna i don't think this is going to be even a close matchup so that would mean that would put the bears then at three and three which you know is gonna put the 49ers in contention for one of these playoff spots if they can beat the colts when they come back from the bye there could just be you know in two weeks uh, just a scrum of people in the nfc the expression i always used to use was the polaroid is still developing but then i realized i'm super old like do you even know what a polaroid is Yes, I do. Okay. I'm old too. So uh, for those that don't know, back in the day, the Polaroid picture used to be, you'd take a picture and it would, the photo would come out of the camera and you'd have to wait for the picture to actually like develop on the photo. And then you would be able to see it. So that was my analogy. I always use like the Polaroid is still developing, AKA like we still have to wait to find out how it's going to look. Now it's like, no one knows what a Polaroid is. And I'm just the old unhip dude <laughs> that's talking about, you know, phonographs and ancient technology. Now, weddings lately have been having Polaroid cameras, you know, the new the new ones. But you, it's, it's kind of cool. Take the picture. You got to wait for your picture to develop. It's kind of like the old times. I was just at a wedding with one. That's why yeah, it popped see, up in my head. That makes me mad because we had we had to wait, right? Like we had no choice. That was as good as the technology got. Like one hour photo was like, holy shit. One hour photo. <laughs> this is great. Now your generation and young people now are doing it like, 
as part of the charm, right? Oh, isn't it so great? You have to wait. You don't get it instantly. You actually have to wait for it. That's kind of cool. No, you jerks. That's, that's but, not but cool. how it how it looks at the end looks vintage as well, though. So you like the vintage look. It looks cute. It's fun. And then you have like it on the little I don't know how to call it, but the the picture just looks different. You can put it on the fridge, and it looks it looks cute. It looks cuter than a normal photo. <sighs> you young and Scott, I feel older by the day. <laughs> I'm 30. I'm not young. I'm you're old. younger than me. I'm 36. I'm pushing okay, so 40. You're, you're six years older than me and you're acting like we grew up in completely different times. Relax there, sir. All right. Well, when you started naming your wedding songs that you like your go-to wedding songs, you were naming all songs that I really didn't know. And I'm naming songs from the Jackson five, which makes me feel <laughs> super old. Yeah, well, I don't want to dance to the chicken dance out there. Sorry, I didn't Grandpa. say the chicken dance. Come on now. <laughs> Although I, I do do a pretty mean chicken dance, not going to lie. I do not. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Gold Diggers podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. Like I said, you leave a review. You heard it at the top of the show. Good, bad, ugly, whatever. We will read it. I don't mind, you know, reading the negative reviews. I'm here for the hate, too. Like, that's... That's all part of it. I'm not going to pretend like the only reviews we get are good reviews. If you leave a bad one, I'll read it on the show. Don't worry about it. We'll try and do better. Enjoy your week off, everybody. Root for chaos in the NFC. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye, y'all.